business owners likely will have only one shot to sell a business. Most don't understand what drives value and how buyers look at a business. Until now. Welcome to the How to Sell a Business podcast, where every week we talk to the subject matter experts, advisors, and those around the deal table about how to sell at maximum value. Every business will go to sell one day. It's only a matter of when. We're glad you're here. The podcast starts now. On today's episode, I had the opportunity to visit with Tamar Shokri. And Tamar is a business broker in out of Ohio. And his claim to fame is Mr. Wireless. And the funny thing that I didn't realize, and, and it's funny during our interview, I was thinking I was talking about wireless stores. And what I didn't realize is just how deep that business goes. And what I'm saying is the resale market. I didn't realize, you know, uh, I'm I'm thinking we're talking about new cell phone sales and products and services, but it was so much more than that. So it, it was a fascinating interview, and I'm certain that you will sit there and never look at another wireless store without going, wow, I, I, I had no idea. So it, my point is, it's a good one. And so I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tamara Shokri. I'm your host, Ed Mysiglan. On the on this podcast, I interview buyers, sellers, deal makers, and other professional advisors about what creates value in a business, and then how can that business be effectively sold for a premium value. On today's show, I like I indicated in my in my introduction, I'm I'm really excited about Tamara Shokri of, of who's known as Mr. Wireless. And and so you can imagine to get that moniker, that 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 is a real special person. And and this industry is not quite what you might think. You you think of it as a retail operation, but it really is so much more than that. So Tamir, welcome. Oh, thank you, Ed. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate that. Well, <laughs> well, I I didn't um, I didn't I didn't do your practice justice. So I was hoping that maybe you could talk a little bit about the work that you're doing and you know just yeah just the, the, your practice and and where your specialty. Awesome, awesome. Uh, well, in 2006, I started working for this nationwide distributor for wireless products, and um, basically what they did they made me travel city to city, state to state especially Indiana, uh, to sell their product, which was Boost Mobile and Page Plus. And I had to go okay. and flourish the, the markets. The market would not be familiar with these products, so I would move in. I would spend weeks there until the everybody starts selling this product. Other retailers will start pushing the products. And that gave me, gave me a very, very strong uh, stronghold when it comes to networking with small business owners who own retail shops, you know, corner shops, gas stations, all these mom and shop uh, businesses and bigger size uh, retailers to introduce the products to them. Um, I spent three years there and then I decided to start my own distribution company. That was in 2009. I became the master dealer for Boost Mobile and number one distributor in the Midwest. So uh, we grew up from there. And then I started selling uh, 
devices in bulk to small carriers. So smaller carriers will buy 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 devices per month. So I focused on this side of the business. Um, later on in 2012, I started the first repair store in my area in Dublin, Hilliard, uh, Ohio. And after one year, I started a cell phone repair school in Houston, Texas. And after that, I came back to Ohio. After three years, I came back to Ohio. And I started a little wireless software company that serves cell phone stores. So I have a, a very good uh, existence in the wireless industry in the country and overseas. I would say. So... I guess the first place I would want to start, and I know this is a big ask, but you know, what's the, what's the overview of the industry? Because like we were talking about before we got started, I mean, it's not necessarily what everybody thinks that it's just a retail operation. So can you kind of give me a little bit of an overview on that? Sure. Yeah. The, the, the cell phone service or the, the telecom service is, is part of the infrastructure of any com- country. And everybody's getting the service, any business, any field, medical, industrial, science, education, everybody's using the wireless industry. And when it comes like this, you find yourself in a situation, there's always high demand on these kind of services, and there's not enough people providing the service. Uh, You can imagine... Now, how is that? How... Is that is that true? I mean, how how does how does that work? That there's not enough. What you were saying was that there's not enough people providing the service. I mean, well, what does that mean? If if you look at the country here, we have mainly like three, four uh, major carriers. You uh-huh. know them, and they are providing the airtime. And then you have the dealers or retailers who are working under them, providing the service, and then. You have okay. the repair shops that do repairs for the devices yeah. when they have any problems or issues. And then you have companies that producing the devices, you know, Apple, Samsung, whatever. I, so there is, there is always high demand and, and, and there is not enough devices. I don't think there's enough devices in the market. Really? Yes. Huh. I'll be, I'll be dipped. I, I, that, was, that was what caught my ear. I'm like, Wow, there's not enough devices in in the market. That that seems that that's a and, and as large as this market is, that's a staggering statement. But but you would know. So so okay. So we have we have the market now, and I guess what when you think of a a wireless operation. You know, you because you, in when you were talking a little bit about about your practice, you were not only talking about retail operations, but you were also talking about in in uh, truck stops, gas stations, things like that, where there's where those are our respective profit centers. So, I, I mean, how does tell me the what does that look like? The mechanics of that. I know, I know from a retail store, but does the retail store then go? and sell to the truck stop or is there some other operation that that has the cornerstone on on the uh, you know that type of business you know what i mean very very good question because this industry is not stable it's changing every every other year is changing dramatically 
So back in the days when I started, we used to sell corner stores. We used to sell in barber shops. We used to sell the device activated already with airtime. So you just turn on the phone and it has minutes and you can start talking and texting. But now all these uh, venues uh, start shrinking, but we have something newer. We have the repair shops. The repair shop will be, sure. uh, you know, independent, will be providing services like fixing devices, activating new lines, and doing more more than that, becoming with, with the high price of the devices now, it become more like a car dealership. And this is oh, the wow. real okay. In the business, when you're buying broken phones, fix them and resell them. Huge margin. It's more than anything you can imagine. So, well, I'm, I, I now I'm, I'm following you. So, so where do you sell the the repaired phones? Is that do you now turn online, or are, are you getting foot traffic? Where, where, where is the source of that profit center? Okay, perfect. Uh, so, if somebody who owns a store usually. The customer will walk into the store and they will ask, do you have any, you know, affordable iPhone? For example, I do want to pay that okay. full price. I said, okay, I have this model. I have that model. It usually sometimes will be like 30% off, 50% off from buying a brand new one. So he would sell these or he would sell them online or he would export all the devices overseas for higher margin. I get it. So it. So how do you? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. So you have some some company that is selling, let's say, hundred phones a month, and some other company is selling twenty thousand, fifty thousand phones a month. You have this size, and you have that bigger size. Sure. So who's who is? I mean, what what's a good size as far as revenue goes? What's a what's a a reasonable a reasonable operation. I mean, is that a, a half a million dollar revenue store? Is that a, or is that a five million dollar revenue store? Um, usually, the retail shops will range between fifty independent one, the repair shops. They would be between mm-hmm. fifty to mill. They can some of them can reach mill, especially if you're in a busy city like New York. You can reach this this number. Yeah. Uh, the other bigger size companies, they do not do re- retail. They do not face the end user. They would collect the devices, uh, repair them, and then send them overseas for higher prices. And that, that so, margin will go up to $300, $400, 500000000 million. Wow. So where, where do... Do the retail operations so so the companies you just referenced the ones that are buying up the 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 damaged and subsequently repaired phones they're going around to all these shops saying hey I want to buy I want to buy your damaged phones they refurb them and then sell them right that's how that <laughs> this works? is one of the venues they do this and the other okay. the other ways they go directly to the carriers because carriers will always um, those returns sure. And they would buy it through an auction. And the auction is very, uh, it's not for everyone. You need to get certifications like the R2 certification to be able to participate on those auctions. So what's an R2 certification? What does that mean? Uh, Responsible recycler uh, certification is is very similar to the ISO. 
but it comes to the electronics. I got it. So how many, like, so I know I'm based here in Indianapolis, and I, and so I know that there's, uh, you know, there's all kinds of retail operations that that are are selling phones. So that's easy. But what about the the folks that you just mentioned, the ones that are that are you know that are approved by by the vendor to collect the phones? I mean, is that a is that a big market? I mean, is there five people or fifty people that are buying up these phones? No, no. It's I would say the the com- the certified companies would be around maybe 30, 30, 30 uh, certified it's not it's not a big number i can i can i can tell you the names of the owners of each company very easy because <laughs> they don't change sure. that much they don't go out out of business yeah. that quickly um and i'd never seen any one of them uh of those companies dealing with the headsets on the large scale getting sold i never seen that except yeah well i at that those kind of margins i'd hold them too yeah i wouldn't sell it there's only few few companies that are like the biggest companies they're going with billions of dollars they got sold to private equities and things entities like that so as i as i wanted to mention to you it's not only the, the the small shop in front of you that one guy is working there no, it, it goes way, way beyond that. Sure, that no, no, no. That that's where I was going with it. Is that it seems as though that's the that's the entry point, but there is, but it it just broadens out from from there, and there is all kinds of money after after just the retail side of the business. Yes, and and there is also so the, the the companies that doing special type of uh, software uh, companies doing. Uh, finance technologies and these guys are way beyond your imagination well circling back to the retail um i've always wanted to know how they make money i mean i know you're you know we've been focusing on look you know we're taking you know uh damaged phones and we're reselling them okay so that's that's a little bit of a profit center but it would appear that the real profit is the guy that's buying it not necessarily the guy that's selling the damaged phone so they're they're getting a little bit of a hit but it's downstream that they're making all the money so when i when i look at the um when i look at the retail operation where where is where where do i get where are my profit centers i know probably you know uh cases and things like that but where where else where where am i where yeah where am i looking at when you go and you pay your bill the monthly bill Mm -hmm. this is a profit this is profit you get a margin you get a, a small percentage but by the time you will have more people come to your store and doing the payments that can pay your rent, for example, it can be like two thousand, three thousand dollars. When you are doing the repairs, you charge at least fifty dollars up to hundred dollars per device. So there's another thing. The accessories is another thing. You make in the accessories usually you can make up to ten times your cost. So you buy a charger really? for. Two dollars, and you sell it for twenty dollars. Wow! You buy a okay. case for five dollars, and you sell it for twenty-five dollars. Yeah, 
Okay, so the locations, the 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 ones that I see, like when when I'm looking at um, at these locations here in Indianapolis, it seems as though I don't want to say they're 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 in the lower income, but it, it does appear that there's a concentration in some of our in some of our um, yeah in some of our lower income communities. I mean, we like you know there. Conversely, where you would see like a Verizon, not necessarily down in, you know, in that, those same areas. Is that true or not? Yes, yes. Um, usually, uh, the the lower income areas where you make most of the money, and it's funny that you uh, uh, you mentioned Indiana because Indiana is very close to my heart. I started my career in Indiana. I, I consider Indiana as what my, my school to understand the cell phone industry, and Every nice. city will have this one store that everybody likes to go there. And you had one like okay. this in, in the east side of Indy. And the, the store was amazing. People just, generation after generation, this is the spot. Everybody wants to go there. It's not the nicest right. part of the town, but you know what? Everybody just go there. Great service. Um, no, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but, but when it comes to the, the stores owned by the carriers, they usually go for uh-huh. the nicer areas. They usually go for uh, prime locations. And uh, the individuals do not like to open next to them because you cannot compete with the carrier. The carrier can yeah. hire the best executives, nicest-looking okay. salespeople, the best devices. It's not going to affect them. But if you're an yeah. individual business owner, you're trying to, uh, you cannot compete. You cannot compete. You want to be integrating with that company. Well, that that was where I was heading next. It's like how how does a company like this compete when you when you're looking at online? You're looking at Best Buy. You're looking at uh, where else can you activate activate Amazon? Um, you know, in some it's yeah, in some of the bigger box store. How did so? How do you how does mom, the mom and pop shop compete against something like that? I'm gonna tell you a fact. It's funny. Funny. Um, People, when you when you go to the one of the big boxes, you don't get the service. You can grab the device, but no one is going to talk to you about it. No gonna, yeah. one is going to explain the plan. No one is going to tell you this is the suit, most suitable plan for you. And if you have a problem, guess what? Nobody's going to be able to answer your question. This is why they go to the repair shop to do the activation, sure. to ask questions and fix problems. And the I same thing it. goes to the um, bigger carriers. They don't have this technicality to sort a issues with the device itself. Yeah, I I, I follow that, and, and and I think one of the 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 biggest challenges that that I see, and and we and we've tinkered around with with a couple of them, ha, has to do with repair. And I and I know you alluded to this just a minute ago that there was you know that there's a there's a lot of profit baked into the repairs and and so I have I, I have some children that have broken you know phones and iPads and so on and so forth so I, I am well aware of the of the cost to to repair it but one of the things that we that we continue to see is is the um the difficulty in finding and then retaining help especially with that it's what you can 
I think it's it's fairly you can be easily trained on selling and the and and understanding the product and the needs of the consumer, but a technician that's a different animal. So how 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 do I find them? How do I retain them? Um, when it comes to technicians, this is the rarest uh, type of uh, employee you can ever. Find. <laughs> Very hard. No, I'm I'm with you. And usually, I if if I if I'm new in town, I don't know everybody in town already. I would go to Google them, and I said phone repair. And these guys, they yeah. would spend a, a, a lot of money just advertising online. So when it comes to Google mm-hmm. Map, MapQuest, whatever, it will show you he's there. He's there. You always there is no there is no okay. single town, big town in the whole country without two, three, five stores doing repairs now. If you ask me, back when I started my first store, I was the only one in in my whole town in in Dublin and and Hilliard area. So now it's different. They're (laughs) competing very well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and now you you what you've got the, what the, the major repair, repair franchises, what uh, cell phone repair. And I I think there's two or three others. I'm, yeah, CPR. yeah, it's it's funny because I, these guys they are not franchise really. It's something. I, it's something I don't know how to explain it. The company used to be a franchise. CPR used to be a franchise, right? And then they w- they went to every individual store, and they convinced them to change their sign and become under them. So, really, it's Mike Mike huh. Repair, and everybody likes Mike. They will come to you and tell you, "Come join us." You will have certain kinds of benefits, and I get it. I, I, I know I know the guy who started the the, the CPR. Uh, uh-huh. He's a friend of mine. I can say that. Um, but when the company got sold a couple of times, now corporate is really separated from the store owners. Sure. So yeah, I, I call it franchise, really. You know. Yeah. No. No. I I get it. So. But circling back to to the retention of the technician, I mean, is that just an economic thing, or is there any other way to induce that type of person to stay with the company? Because if I'm if I'm looking at it as a buyer, I'm sitting here going, "All right, that I got to figure out how I'm going to keep this guy." Because I, because just what you just said is that the other shops are looking for a repair guy and my guy probably has a target on his back. You know what I mean? True. This is this is a very important point. And from my, my experience, the best thing is to be generous to your technician. And, you know, you always have to have two or three of them. You can't just depend on one. Yeah. No, um, that's true. Once you have one technician, you hire somebody to be trained under him. Just in case something happened, he got sick, he had to travel, he got married, he got divorced, whatever. He, you always have a backup. Sure. You always have a backup. Somebody will, will get in and finish all the, 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 the repairs. When I had my store, I had um, three. I had three all the time. So because if somebody got sick, we get heavy loads of repairs coming in. I always have enough people to do the repairs. I get you. So moving to financials. Um, so are there various metrics or, you know, or benchmarks that I could say, you know, if I have a, 
you know, 10% net profit margin, I'm doing great. If I have, uh, you know, a 50% gross profit margin, I'm doing great. It, are there any, like, any ways to, to quickly look at a business and say, yeah, you know what, that's a, that's a good target for me? I would usually go and see how many repairs they do per month. I would see how many phones they sell per month. I, from from my my side, from my experience, I prefer the stores that sells more devices than the stores that repair more devices, because mm, the, yeah. the the biggest the biggest goal for you is to have the biggest sales. You need to sell more devices. Sure. So it's okay. You ha- you can do repairs, but you cannot focus on repairs only and neglect selling. So I would like always to sure. go to the store that's selling the the most devices in the whole area. You sell 100, okay. I know exactly how much money you're making because I would know he would well, at least make in 50 to $100. So if you sell 100, that's $5,000. Yeah, $5,000. You sell more, you make more money. The rent, the rent shouldn't be more than $2,000 under any circumstances. Some guys, they will go with more, but it will be always a big risk. I get it. So from when we, when we look at, um, I guess what I'm the, the, as it relates financially, you know, is this, you know, most people need their cell phone. (laughs) So I, I, so my question originally was centered around, you know, is, is the industry correlated to disposable income? And I think just from our, our conversation thus far, I can tell, you know, that's probably not the case. You know, it, it, there is no correlation to, to any part of the economy because people are going to, to need some means to communicate, right? Percent true. And nowadays, with a device costing you up to $2,000. Uh, it's not only people who do not have money, they go and fix the phones. I had a lawyer used to damage his tap, s- s- small tablet all the time and come and spend $300 because all the documents that he has on these tablets. Oh, sure, sure. Not- every time, every day he can buy brand new. <laughs> but with the documents he has there, and it's it's worth his life. His career is only in the, in this small device. He will come and spend three hundred dollars to fix it. Sure. So one of the things that one of the the challenges that that I continue to see is um, this business as well as in a business that is dealing with with repairs as well as re, you know retail of new and that's inventory management. I got to imagine that it is it is a real challenge in this industry, isn't it? To to keep track of your inventory or is there or is there like a a universal uh, uh point of point of sale type inventory management uh, service or no? There are there are it would work for uh for smaller shops and there is software for wholesalers, but from the bottom of my mind, there is no real solution until today. I'm, t- I'm not saying this to bash the companies that desi- designed those software, no. but it's you, you can do better than this. It can it can be more more in details than what what we have now. We have you can use uh, QuickBooks like any other business, but when it comes to uh, tracking your inventory, there is some 
software being used now, but I am not satisfied with this with, with the results. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I get it. So who who buys these things? I mean, there is there you know because I know you've sold a lot of them, and I'm just kind of curious to know what does that person look like, and or or does it, it does it vary? It's it varies. You can be a mom, you can be a dad, you can be a teacher, you can be a school, really? you can be a government agency, you can be individual who's sending these devices, uh, selling overseas. So it's it's really everybody's buying. Really, but who's buying more? You can ask me who's the most who's buying more, <laughs> and I would right. I would I would I'm... answer the question honestly. If you have any any market with lots of uh, immigrants, they would buy these devices uh-huh. more than anybody else because their relatives back home in their countries, they're going to they're gonna ask them, we need devices, we need iPhones, we need Samsung, we need this, we need this. Uh, and there is no place in the whole earth is cheaper than the US when it comes to devices. So the demand is crazy okay. high. I get it. That uh, That's interesting. Um, so, I mean, do multiples vary in this? You know, market market multiples do they vary in the in the industry, or are they are they is it stay fairly consistent? No, because I gotta imagine that the the risk remains the same. So I would assume the multiple is fairly consistent, or no? Um, I would say it different. It's different between cities because if you're a new oh. Okay. It's not the same thing if you sure. are in, you know, in uh, yeah. Kansas or Arkansas, you have less people. Mm-hmm. So your ability to sell devices is less than uh, if you are in a bigger city. So, so multiples increase based on the, 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 the density of the population of in the area. I get it. Okay. No, that, I mean, that makes sense. So... So as we talk about selling these things, um, I mean, who is it a normal lending environment? I mean, it's just based on cash flow and it, and it works or, or do, is there something, is there a special way that these things get financed, you know, given the, the inventory fluctuations and, and such, I, I would assume it's, it's just like any other business. If, if it can support the cash flow, you know, you're in business. Well, is that not I, the I would say the biggest chunk of the business done cash, you know, up front, but newly, and I was involved in one of those companies that um, uh, provides a tool for financing for the independent store owners. So nice. the, the, the software will go and check the background of the person who's buying the device. It will give you colors. Red, don't give him the device. Yeah. <laughs> It. It's up to you. And green, go ahead and you can sell him. You can trust him. He has a, a good uh, uh, credit uh, background and he has, uh, uh, you know, um, the ability financially to give you the payment over every week, $50, $20, whatever you agree on. But uh, I, w- I would say the cash is the biggest chunk of of what's happening here. Everybody just go and pay up front. The the financing comes okay. from the bigger companies. If you go and buy from Apple, the ex- brand new expensive devices, they they have their own financing and they make it easy. Okay, but as far as buying the company, I mean, is there 
is it just like any other SBA lender or, oh, you know, because I, yeah, you know what I mean? From, from, from that standpoint, it seems, you know, that it, you know, this is just based on cash flow. I would assume, you know, you're based on what we're talking about. I would imagine my cash flow to revenue ratio has to be 20, 25%. That makes, you know, that's a, you know, two and a half, three multiple, which then takes me, um, you know, as I look at it, you know, to a, to a bank, I mean, that's plenty of cash flow to support, you know, to support some reasonable debt, right? Or, or, or is that, or do, what I'm trying to establish is, is the risk associated with, if I'm a lender, where is my risk in loaning that money? Aside from, aside from the, the, um, the borrower, him, him or herself. You know what I mean? I'll tell you something. When it comes to small businesses like individual stores, I I never mm-hmm. got an, any any lender involved. Just usually cash. Uh, but when really? we're talking about bigger companies, the, the multiple million yeah. dollars, then it's a totally mm-hmm. different story. It's a totally different story. So, but if I come to you know in in some of the lower income areas, um. Who's the who's buying? Or I guess you you had already you had already indicated that you know there you know um, the buyer pool tends to be you know competition you know uh, immigrant yeah so so the comp so there is con- consolidation so they understand it but as individual buyers you know if that's so seller financing. Yeah, you know, I guess you, we're 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 looking at because I'm I'm sitting here going, all right, who? So let's just say it's two hundred thousand dollars. You know, would would you risk two hundred thousand dollars to buy to buy this, you know, business that a lot of a lot of which is cash? You know what I mean? It's almost it's almost like a food and beverage business where, you know, you can't. It, and to me, this seems harder to track my cash. You know, or no? True. This is why I I mentioned that. Most of the buyers will be people from the industry itself. He can be somebody from outside mm-hmm. this certain city or town. Yeah. He can be the guy next door who always wanted to eliminate the competition. He would say, okay, I'll buy it. I'll take this place. And um, usually it goes cash. They, they, they pay everything cash. Okay. If they have you know what? terms that between the buyer and seller, and I do not recommend that at all because the consequences might, you know, escalate to a direction. Sure. No, that that that's great advice. I, I um, like I said, I didn't I didn't anticipate that coming out of your mouth, but but I mean, it it totally makes sense. So since we're bumping up on time, the the last question I ask every single guest, and and you being the expert in the industry. What's the one piece of advice that you would give, I guess, business owners in the wireless retail or the wireless industry? What piece of advice would you give them that would have the greatest impact on their value and and their ability to sell? Do not buy a business based on your emotions. Never. Okay. So you have to always. So that's the buyer. Yes. So so what about the seller? So how's the seller? What does the seller need to, to, to do in order to make this business saleable? Uh, your business has more value than what you think. Your business okay. has more value more what, than you think. 
So how do I get that out? Because I'm, I, I, there, I'm certain there's plenty of sellers that just heard that and say, tell me more. How do I, how do I get more money out of my business? Uh, hire a broker like me and okay. I will go to your finances and okay. I will make sure to represent your business in a better way than if you try to represent by yourself. Okay. Based on numbers, facts. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. So, so the quality, the quality of your financial statements, even though you've got a bunch of cash that uh, is flowing in and out of the business, that it, that, that will determine the, whether or not you're going to be able to sell at a premium value. Yes. Perfect. So Tamar, what to, what's the uh, best way we can connect with you and how can people find you? Uh, you can search my name on Google or you okay. can find me on Facebook at Tamar Shakri. Uh, okay. You can find me on Instagram as cell phone in bulk or you can call me at 614-226-2723. Okay. Well, Tamar... I, I got to tell you, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect out of this. I, I've, I've always wanted to talk. I've always seen it. I've always heard that the business was was lucrative. I just had no idea that there was so much more to it than than just a storefront. So so thanks for, for the education. I'm certain everybody's kind of in the same camp with me of like, wow, what a what a crazy business. And boy, maybe let, that might be a, a nice, a nice little business for, for me to buy. So thanks for, for coming on and, and telling us all about that. You're welcome. Ed. thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for joining us today on the, how to sell your business podcast. If you want more episodes packed with strategies to help sell your business for the maximum value, visit howtosellabusinesspodcast.com for tips and best practices to make your exit life-changing. Better yet, subscribe now so you never miss future episodes. This program is copyrighted by MISO Inc. All rights reserved.